Would you mind introducing yourself briefly with your name, class year, how long you were at Academy, and uh, what you were involved in while you were here? Sure. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Wood. I graduated from Academy in 2001. I started in seventh grade. So what's that? Seven years, at a, six years at Academy. I played all the sports. Um, I was involved in service club and I took French, I think for five years while I was at Academy. That's really cool. What is your current title and place of work? I'm an attorney. I work for myself. I have a really specific area of practice. I'm a guardian ad litem, which um, I can explain to you later a little bit what that means. But yeah, Elizabeth Wood, attorney at law. So then in a couple of sentences, do you mind summarizing like what a guardian ad litem does? So I live and work in Dayton. So in the Montgomery County Juvenile Court, I'm appointed by the court to make recommendations about what's in kids' best interest. So in the specific circumstances where a kid is charged with a crime in Ohio, it's called delinquency, or um, if the parents have been accused of abusing or neglecting their children, I'm appointed by the court to make sure that the kid's wishes are known and that the best thing that can happen for them happens for them. So placement services, things like that. So kind of pivoting away from your career a little bit more towards your education, uh, where did you go for your post-academy degrees? And did you feel like Academy did a good job of preparing you for success at this school? Yeah. I mean, Academy absolutely prepared me for college. I will say I did better in law school than I did in college. I went to Notre Dame for my undergrad. I majored in business and French. And then I went to the University of Dayton for law school immediately after. So what, what attracted you to pursuing law? And was this something that you thought you were going to do in high school? I take it not because those weren't majors that would put you on track for law, but maybe you, you thought that. Um, so I'm excited to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, so that's it's kind of funny. I never thought I would do anything else than be a lawyer. I didn't know what kind of lawyer I was going to be, but both my parents were attorneys. And I don't ever remember having another option really. I never considered anything else. I just knew I was going to go to undergrad, take the LSATs and go to law school. Very interesting. So what prompted you to study business in French then? How, uh, how do you think that helped prepare you for law school? I don't ever remember making that choice. It's just what I did. Notre Dame has a really good business school. Um, I studied marketing, never did anything ever with that. And French was like a hobby. It was something I was interested in. So Notre Dame had a French literature second major. So I pursued that. Do you think that those degrees have helped you kind of in your field, given that they're maybe a little different than what most lawyers study? No, I don't think they helped me at all. Um, law school is what's supposed to prepare you for practicing law. And again, I couldn't tell you why I chose business or French. Actually, I was going to say one of, the, one of the benefits of going to law school and being a lawyer is that you can study anything you want in undergrad. If there's something that interests you, if you want to study literature, if you want to study art, go for it because you don't need that training to be a lawyer. You just need to do all the LSATs and get into a law school. That's great. So you, you've mentioned to me that you've kind of switched between a couple of different career paths. What prompted you to switch? What did you switch from to now becoming a guardian ad litem? And um, how did the transition go from one to the next? Yeah, my career has jumped around quite a bit. So when I graduated from law school, it was at the height of the uh, recession and there were just no jobs to be had. Even for somebody like me with an excellent education, there was just nothing. So my skill, my skill set and my training was to be a lawyer. So I hung out a shingle and I practiced law for six years in Columbus. At the time I was, you know, it's not, it's not an easy road to practice law on your own, especially if you don't have mentors, you're not in a firm, 
Um, nobody's really telling you what to do. So I had an opportunity to move to Dayton and start working at the Air Force Base in contracting. So it's basically compliance uh, purchasing for the Air Force. And I got a lot of good training there. It was um, a really good job for my needs at the time, stable, regular hours. It was really excellent. After that, I went to the University of Dayton Research Institute, which is just another kind of um, government contracting. So I worked there for about three years. And I was in a position in my life at that time where I wanted to do something that I was actually living my values and do something that meant something to me. And I was in a financial position to sort of leave that job. So I left the University of Dayton Research Institute and opened up my own little practice doing guardian ad litem work here in Dayton. And I've just been really, I've been doing it since August and I've been really pleased with how progressive the system is here. So will I be doing this still in 10 years? I don't know. I can't tell you that, but um, it's been a pretty smooth transition. I just made sure every step of the way when I've made a career change, that that career change has met my needs. Just ensuring that I was getting what I wanted out of my life and out of my career with each change. That's great to hear. So it sounds like you've worked for the government, you know, a few times and uh, even here for a few years. What's the best part about that? Or what's that like? And how does that differ from you know, now working in your own private practice? Yeah, no, it's night and day. Working for the federal government is, a, it's a huge bureaucracy. I think my, my husband now works for the federal government in a job similar to what I did. And, you know, he, he goes along to get along. He fits right in. He does his work and he does his 40 hours and he's, you know, he's happy with it. I didn't find a lot of joy in that. I thought it was tedious. And I also wasn't inspired by the the work that I was doing. It was a wonderful opportunity for me at the time. Um, and it gave me stability that I really needed in my life during a difficult time. But being part of the uh, military industrial complex wasn't something that I could like go home and be pleased about my work for the day. But yeah, so that's a far cry from working for myself where I make my own schedule. I decide how I'm going to handle my cases. The court trusts my judgment. Um, and that, you know, that means a lot to me. So Also practicing law for myself and by myself taught me a lot about keeping my time, keeping a schedule. I don't put put work off. It's not, this isn't for everybody, but it just suits my personality. So do you have any employees or interns throughout the year or is it truly just you handling all the work, shouldering that load? Yeah, no, it's totally just me. I don't make enough money to pay employees. <laughs> this is not a lucrative line of business that I'm in. But I practiced law the first time. I didn't know the first thing about practice management or like the administrative side of things. I assume if I were hiring somebody, it would be like an administrator, which I, I mean, I wish I could afford somebody to do my paperwork, but I can't. When I worked at UD, that was a pretty administrative job. And I learned a lot about like file management, file maintenance. So in that sense, my career path has sort of prepared me for this. So I know you just mentioned that working at UD helped prepare you for this, but what other experiences do you think helped you? So any of the jobs and and the different places you went to school, how did, how did those help prepare you? So I did a bit of the work that I'm doing now, this guardian ad litem work back when I practiced in Columbus, it wasn't to the same level and Franklin County isn't, or at least wasn't at the time when I was practicing there quite as invested in child welfare, I think is Montgomery County is now, but I, you know, I learned the basics of the kind of work that I'd be doing. So it was easy to sort of jump into this now. 
or working for the Air Force taught me a lot about working within a bureaucracy, which the court really is. You learn how to interact with people in the file room, uh, people who work at the prosecutor's office, stuff like that. So that's been really helpful. And then, like I said, the, the stuff at UD, I really like my coworkers there. And we all were encouraged to come up with solutions to like administrative problems. And so I learned a lot about keeping my files and probably one of the best organized guardians at Latham here in Montgomery County. If you need a document, I can find it for you. That's great. That's awesome. In what ways did Academy help get you to where you are today? And like, did you use any of the skills you learned or any of the experiences that you had while at Academy or any CA connections to get you to where you are now? I didn't make a lot of use of like the career stuff. So I can't really speak to that. But of course, Academy, you know, academics and excellence were a top priority. Nobody who goes to Academy is used to being the dumbest person in the room. So uh, in whatever career I was in, I made sure to study up to know what I was talking about. But the most important thing that I got for my Academy education was my friends. My best friends today are, were my best friends when I was in seventh grade. They know me, they know their families know me, and we're all really close so when it came time for me to make a decision about moving, you know, I had a, a group of people that I could talk to about what my needs were. They know my strengths, my weaknesses, like they know they could give me all kinds of advice about, you know, what I should be looking for. And I'll also say that so many of my classmates, my good friends are so successful in their careers that, you know, it's easy to take advice from people like that. And it's wonderful to have those people in my life. That's great to hear. So then kind of moving back to your career, what is something that would surprise people about the work you do? Well, something that surprises people about me is that I do this work, but I don't have children. So <laughs> I'm not like a kid person, but you know, I care about social justice and I care about marshalling government resources to help people in need. So I'm not just working with kids, I'm working with families. And something that I think would surprise people just generally about this guardian ad litem work is that the juvenile justice system is built the way that the grown-up justice system should be built. The focus is on rehabilitation, not punishment. And there are all kinds of services available for kids who need it, who are being failed by like the regular system or failed by their communities because they don't have the resources that they need to get what they need to succeed in their lives. Staying with the current times, has COVID-19 changed the way you work and, and what you do? And if yes, what has changed? If not, why has your line of work been able to stay the same? Oh, yes. So I did come into this career as like during COVID, but I did practice before. So I knew generally what it was like before. But, like this is where I go to court. The judge sees what you see and that um, I am not a cat. That video, <laughs> like that's my life like every day. <laughs> so um yeah, it's, I mean, it's changed just how, you know, how you do business on a day-to-day -day basis. And for the most part, that's, it's been pretty good because this is very convenient. But with the actual substantive work that I do, you just see how the pandemic has hit so many communities disproportionately. I see lots of issues with kids with school resources. I see issues with kids getting access to resources that they used to be able to get without a problem. Um, it's just it's been pretty sad and I can't wait until this is over and we can just jump back into their lives because it's, it's really hit these families hard. Has it made it difficult for you to connect with your, um, with the children you represent? Um, because I imagine that has to be done via zoom or do you get to see them in person? Like how does, how does that work? 
Um, it depends on the kid. My approach depends on what kind of kid I'm dealing with. If it's a baby, I zoom with the custodian of the baby and, you know, you can see the baby because there's not a lot of interaction there. A lot of what I do are delinquencies. So oftentimes the first time I meet the kids, they're in detention. And so I go to court and I go to juvenile lockup and I meet with the kids. And so in that sense, it's, it's a bit of like a building trust because you have to have, because you have gained access to them, if that makes sense. Um, and if they're old enough, then we talk on the phone, they text me. And sometimes I still do home visits and I go out and I see the kids and meet them in person. And we sit outside and we talk. Being a guardian ad litem, it, it seems kind of like a, a niche career almost. So do you believe that there are any specific personal attributes that allow someone to be successful in your field? Or what about you has made you successful in being a guardian ad litem? Oh, you think I'm successful. Thank you. I would say patience, but I'm not a patient person. So maybe that's not required. There's a level of empathy that's required because you're seeing people who live in a way that you don't live. They don't do the things that you do and they don't speak like you and they're going through some really hard times. So having, you know, having been through some hard times myself and, you know, having people in my life that have been through hard times, I think that empathy is super important just so you can interact with people in a non-condescending way. Right. Cause you never know, you know, what someone's going through, but then you find out and it might even be hard to relate, but you know, like you're saying, if you're empathetic, that makes, that makes great sense. So then for, for students interested in entering this field of being a guardian ad litem uh, or even just a lawyer, what steps would you recommend that they take? If you're interested in being a guardian ad litem, it's only going to be a part of your practice. Um, nobody does. I'm weird because I'm at, nobody does what I do and only does that. It's just not lucrative enough. I'm in a financial place in my life where I could make that decision. And I chose to limit my practice to protect my mental health. <laughs> um, but it's, it would be part of your practice, not your entire practice. If you are interested in this sort of work, there are volunteer organizations that appoint people like me as volunteers who can advocate for children. I'm going to give you the web address. It's CASA, C-A-S-A dot Franklin County, Ohio dot gov. Um, if you are of age, you can go through a training and you can learn how to be a volunteer guardian ad litem and take on cases if that's something that you're interested in. As far as being a lawyer, a lot of there are a lot of lawyers, so there's probably a lot of advice about this around, but I would say you should consider the cost of going to law school because it's non-minimal. And if you think that you want to be a lawyer and you're committed to that path, then do something that you want to do while you're an undergrad. You don't have to be pre-law. You don't have to be poli-sci. You can do whatever you want and still go to law school and be just as successful as anybody else. That's awesome. Thank you. And then looking back on your career now and the other careers that you've been through, what advice would you give to your younger self when you were starting your career? My younger self would not recognize me today. I would say you should be ready to like roll with punches and make sure that your career is meeting your needs when your life changes. So when I was in law school, if you told me that I would have been thrilled to have a job in the federal government <laughs> buying, I don't know, equipment for Air Force planes, I would not have believed you. If you had told me when I was practicing law the first time that I would leave a salary job with benefits to 
come do this again, I would not have believed you. But every step of my career along the way has met a, a need that I saw in my life. And I think I've been better for it. So kind of just being flexible and, and taking what's given to you at the time and hoping it, and, you know, letting it all work out in the end. Yeah. And there's so, there's so much emphasis now on being a good employee and making sure that you're giving your employer 110%. And that's fine. Um, I think that people should try hard and do their best. But there's also an aspect to your, if, if your career is important to you, there's an aspect of it that involves how much you're getting out of it. So I would just encourage, I mean, the kids that are watching this may not be in this position <laughs> for a while, um, but when you can move into, move into something that you care about, there's absolutely no substitute for that. Um, and if you're financially able to maybe take a hit, maybe you're, I don't know what you care about. If you can do something that gets you up every day, uh, you, should, you should make that move when you can. Is there uh, anything else that you would like to talk about that we haven't already um, gone over? I think I'd just like to mention the, um, the public service aspect. So, I mean, you could say that I'm not in public service because I'm not employed by a government or that I actually get paid for the work that I do. Not very much, but I get paid. Again, there is really something to be said for doing something that you think makes somebody's life better. Academy really emphasized service. I think kids probably still need service hours to graduate. Um, and that felt like a bit of a drag. When you make making people's lives better, your work, um, there's really nothing more satisfying than that. Thank you so much for that. That's definitely a great place to leave off with, so. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us and uh, or speak with me and share your insights. This was this was fantastic. <laughs>